Whenever you look at long-term building wealth, you have to learn how to take care of the foundation, which is the first five years. Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure, free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name, episode 565, titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for or higher for best practice. Basically, he knows his stuff. And he is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Now I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free. And then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you it's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely wound up being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluffy stuff. We spoke to Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, the author Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Jay Papazon, the co-author of The One Thing with Gary Keller and a whole bunch of other best-selling books. With us today, Andrew Holmes. How are you doing, Andrew? Doing great. How about you? I'm doing well. Nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about Andrew. He is a real estate investor and founder of ChicagoCashflow.com, which is Chicago's number one flipping team. He's a radio show host of Real Estate Live with Andrew Holmes. He has over 160 plus, well, yeah, over 160 rental properties and based in Chicago, Illinois. With that being said, Andrew, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your focus? Sure. So my background was a real estate agent since I was 19 years old till about 33, 34. And in 2008, was the first time when I started with flips. So for a couple of years, I had done well as a real estate agent, but kind of found myself on a treadmill. And so I switched to flips, which worked out quite well in 2008, 2009, 2010. But what I kind of found was I had traded it in for a bigger treadmill, which was a transactional sort of a business. And I didn't want transactions. I wanted investing. So in 2011 is when the focus shifted to about 60 to 70% of all properties that we touch today purely go into a rental portfolio, which, and the key is that it needs to be paid off in seven years or less. So that's basically what we focus on today. Did I hear that right? You pay the properties off in seven years or less? That's correct. 
Hmm. So you own your properties free and clear within seven years. That's the goal? That's the goal. So basically, we use a formula which is called 257. That's kind of where it started, which was in two years, how do you accumulate a minimum of five properties and get them all paid off in seven? You can do that 2107, 227. The formula doesn't change. It's just the number of properties. How much cash flow do you want to create a month is what you scale based on that. And please educate us. How do you, in two years, get five properties and have them paid off in seven? Most people, whenever they own rental properties, they tend to buy rental properties in areas that are rather challenging. We have a different philosophy, which is we tend to buy bread and butter areas right next to what we would call premium areas. So basically, if premium areas are A, we tend to buy B minus or C plus category areas. And the other requirement is that whenever we're buying a property, after rehab, it must have a minimum of 25% equity. And also, it must have per door. So we focus on buying small three-bedroom, one and one-and-a-half bath ranches is what our focus is. And they must cash flow to a tune of 400 to $450 per property after all expenses, including management. And so the biggest challenge people have is that they try to buy investment properties with residential loans. And the scale at which they can grow is kind of hampered because you need seasoning on those. You need all those types of issues. So what we always do is we buy them with commercial loans. So basically a five-year balloon with a 25-year amortization type of a loan, and it's a commercial loan at five, five and a half percent. So the speed at which you can scale and grow is much, much, much faster. And the seasoning requirements, instead of doing a cash-out refi, if you do rate and term refi, so you're borrowing money to buy the property, you're borrowing money to do the rehab, and then you're going to a commercial lender, refinancing it, and then putting the money back again to work to do the second one, the third one, the fourth one, and the fifth one. Mm-hmm. One of the keys, there's a couple keys here. One is finding the properties that meet the criteria that you just mentioned. The other is having the lender lined up that works with you on that. Let's talk about the lender real quick. Who do you use for the commercial loan? Commercial loans, we typically tend to go to the small banks that are in town. Every town has like a small XYZ bank or trust type of a bank. Typically, they have anywhere from 1 to 5, 10, 15, 20 branches. That's it. We're not going to go to Chase Bank or we're not going to go to you know the big lenders because they don't really offer these programs for small investors. So typically, we tend to go to them. And B2R, your listeners might have heard. That's another place. The rates are a bit high compared to local banks that we can find. But typically, these are local small banks. Every community in America has those. So, Let's say we know a community bank or credit union in our area. Well, we definitely do. When we walk in the door, who do we ask for and what questions do we ask? That's a great question because you always, always, always want to go and directly talk to the VP. Typically, at these small banks, the VP is pretty much the main guy there at the bank. And that's the person you want to approach. You do not want to talk to a residential loan officer because that's where the teller or somebody at the front is going to try to push you to because that's really what they're familiar with. But you really want to go directly to the VP of the bank. And uh, what you want to kind of tell them is that we're buying properties that are purchased, rehabbed, and they already have a tenant in them. So they're stabilized properties when we go to these type of lenders and there's cash flow that comes in, they need to look at, so they look at, as you know, 
a debt coverage ratio of about 1.25. But our minimum standard is that every property that we take to them has a minimum debt coverage ratio of at least 1.5, 1.6, 1.7. So we're well above their thresholds. First, they have a hard time believing that you can even do these numbers. But once they look at them and they see you have a nice equity position, they will tend to give you 70 to 75%, in some cases, 80% of appraised value. So if it's okay, can I give out some numbers so that kind of listeners will get a little bit better idea? I love it. Okay, great. So basically, let's say you're buying a bread and butter property, three bedroom, one bath ranch for say $65,000. You're going to put 20,000 into rehabbing the property, 20, 25,000. You have another carrying cost of another five, $6,000. So you're all in cost into the property is somewhere around 90,000. Now this is the most critical part, which to me is investing versus what most people do. And that is the property needs to appraise on a conservative refinance appraisal for 120, 125, 130,000. That's the key thing is that's the only way you're going to be able to get all the capital that you put into the property out so that you can efficiently recycle the same money over and over and over. So the property appraises for about 125 or so, the lenders will give you about 75% of appraised value. And we can get more technical with it, but for starting our purposes, that's the key thing. That's the benchmark people have to look at. If the property appraises for 125, 130, 135, now they'll give you the 90, 95,000 refinance. So you put that loan, you pay your first lender off, the lender you use to buy the property and to do the rehab, and then you just recycle the same funds, or if it's your own money, that's fine also, but you just repeat that process over and over and over, goal being you need to get to a minimum of five. Obviously, 10 is better, 15 is even better, but five is the critical number, really. Mm-hmm. With the questions, going back to walking into the bank and we are in front of the vice president and we are asking the questions about the minimum debt coverage ratio that they look for and what we're anticipating. You went into some of the business plan, which is great, and it helped clear things up a little bit or at least not clear things up, but paint the picture. What specific questions would you ask of him or her as the vice president so that you get the answers to what we're looking for? Basically, where I would start out is what we've always done is when we walk in, we kind of describe them really briefly in two minutes or less, kind of an elevator pitch as to what we do. So uh, what I typically say is, hey, we're buying foreclosure type of properties or investment properties that are rentals. When we come to you, they're going to be purchased. They're going to be already stabilized. They like that word. There's already an existing tenant. We minimum do for two-year to three-year leases only. We don't do short-term leases. And we explain to them why and what the philosophy is and how we want to aggressively pay down properties. And it starts happening is first, they're kind of shocked that they're like, you actually do this. And then their head starts nodding as you start getting into more technical issues, which is, I know typically most banks look for about 1.2, 1.25 debt coverage ratios. Any property we bring to you is going to have 1.5, 1.6 debt coverage ratios. And we'll kind of show them a couple of actual examples. If you're brand new, just show them a property or two maybe that you have on the works as you plan to do. And understand the key thing to understand is a lot of these small banks will have a footprint in an area. So let's say it's in a XYZ community. They're going to land in a community that are typically around that area. 
they're not going to go in a big city like Chicago if a bank is in the southern part of Chicago. Typically, they're not familiar with the north side. They might say, well, yeah, that's the market, but that's not really in our footprint. And so that is key to understand that where you ask them to lend is also a very critical piece whenever you talk to these lenders. And a lot of times, they'll be able to tell you, yes, that is something that they would be willing to look at. Now, some banks, when you go to them, they'll say, well, we won't do the rental part of it, but we'll do the purchase. We'll help you on that end. Or we don't really want to do onesie, twosie loans. We want a minimum of five properties or seven properties at a time. So it just depends on what the appetite of that bank is. And back in 2011, literally, I had to go to about 30 or 40 banks to find one. Today, every bank almost that I walk into, they're more than happy to jump up and down because the mood of the market has changed quite a bit, obviously, around the country. One thing that you mentioned as far as the bank's footprint, and maybe it's too far out even if we're there within the same city, would you recommend identifying your submarket and then looking at the community banks and credit unions within that submarket and going to them first? I think we hit the nail right on the head. So there's a site that people might be familiar with that they can go to, which is called the Bauer Financial. And any state that they live in, they can go to that particular website and look up which are all the small banks in that area. So whatever community you live in, I would just draw a 10-mile, 15-mile radius around it and then start with the ones that are closest to wherever you're going to buy properties. And especially if it's in a B market, a C-plus type of market, then the banks that are local in that area, they have depositors from that particular area, and they need to make a certain amount of loans in that particular market. So that's the first place you start. Now, as you start developing relations, as you start having a credibility with a particular bank, they'll stretch their arms a little bit for you. But in general, the place to start always is the community banks. They want to have a relationship. It's a relationship sort of a lending. And they really like that word, that if you go in and say, hey, we want to develop a relationship with you, and you tell them that you're going to put your rental deposits in their bank, they're all over that because that's really what in the long run they're looking for. It's not a one-way street. And especially we've had lenders that have developed relations with us for a long time now. And since 2010 or 11, when we started accumulating these, they've literally in Chicago helped hundreds and hundreds of lenders. And they don't have a very tight, stringent criteria. So for people who may not have a W-2 income, they'll work with 1099s. Somebody doesn't have a W-2 or doesn't have a 1099, but has retirement income, they'll work with it. Somebody doesn't even have that, but has some assets, a good portfolio, say in the stock market, or just cash. They're much more forgiving, and they're not as sensitive, even in the department of, say, credit scores. They're not going to basically analyze everything to that depth, and they're not going to ask you where did the forefathers come from. I mean, like a traditional residential bank, every single thing you have to explain. These tend to be very, very willing to work with you. And the other advantage is that as you work with these commercial banks, you can buy properties in your LLCs, you can buy properties in your S-Corps, you can buy properties under a trust. Let's say you bought a property with a partner. At the time of closing, you can quit claim the property over to whatever company you want. There's a ton of flexibility if you really understand how to work that niche. And that's been a godsend to us when we found these commercial banks. And there's tons of them. There's tons and tons of them. There's always a pro and a con to it. And the only con to these is typically these institutions tend to have a limit. 
they'll do three to four loans for you initially. Then they'll say, okay, let's stop. You need to bring in your tax returns. And then after February, we'll again start doing more. Next year, they'll do seven or eight. And once you reach a threshold typically of about a million dollars or so, like $850,900, they will kind of put the brakes on. And a lot of times they have a lot of sister banks that they do business with. And if you develop good relations with them, they'll be happy to refer to you and your business becomes easier and easier to grow. Outstanding information. And best ever listeners, the Bauer Financial is spelled B-A-U-E-R financial.com. So B-A-U-E-R financial.com. I had not heard of that. And I went there and yeah, that's great. You can search for credit unions in your area. And I'm sure best ever listeners, you've heard me mention this before about what we're talking about, which are portfolio lenders, community banks and credit unions. They keep the loan in their portfolio. Therefore, they can be more flexible with the terms and they don't sell it on the secondary market like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase do typically. It is their own loan and that's why they can be more flexible. You mentioned talking to them about providing a stabilized property with a tenant. That assumes that you already have the money to buy the property in the first place. What about someone starting out wanting to implement this strategy? How would you get finance initially or do you just need to save up the cash to do so? No, absolutely not. I never, even today, even though we have obviously a significant amount of accumulated cash, still what we always do is, this is just, it can be done three different ways. Number one, you can partner with somebody that has the capital and do a 50-50 joint venture. They buy the property, they put up the money for capital. That's one way of doing it. Obviously, you're the driving force, you're doing all the work, but you're giving up 50% of the returns. That's where kind of I started initially. But the second way to also do it is the traditional route, which is you borrow money from a hard money lender, put some of your own money. The third route, which we tend to use the most, and that is understanding, I'm sure on the podcast you've done, you've talked about private money. And probably that is the biggest bonanza for real estate investors, which is join your local RIAs, join the local groups, whichever town you're in, there are tons of them. And there are people that are willing to make loans out of their IRAs. They have personal money and you end up paying anywhere from 8 to 12%. And that's what we tend to do. And that's what we always try to get people to understand is there's a lot of money out there where people are willing to loan for the front end of the transaction. So that's a great, great, great way to start. Either partner for it, go to a hard money lender. The rates can be rather high there. But my first choice always is private investors. And best ever listeners, if you are doing a flip, which is not what we're talking about, we're talking about improving it and then holding on to it for the long run, which I like much better than flipping it. But if you are doing a flip and you're needing cash, then Fund That Flip is a sponsor of the show and they have opportunities for you on that. What is your best real estate investing advice ever, Andrew? I would say this that if you take care of real estate for the first five years, it will take care of you for the rest of your life. And most people screw that up because the foundation of real estate, they don't build it on the right foundation. So whenever you look at long-term building wealth, you have to learn how to take care of the foundation, which is the first five years. If you take care of that the rest of your life, you're pretty much set as long as the first foundation is laid properly. I love that philosophy. 
I love how you started out by talking about the transactional nature initially and then more of a long-term approach. One other follow-up question about the business model. I mentioned it requires a great lending partner, but then also your ability to find these deals that qualify so that you do have the ability to take your money back out and roll it into the next one because of that equity. How do you find those deals? We find deals three places. I mean, in Chicago, still about 15% of the market is still distressed sales. Now that's down from about 40% of the market. So obviously it's going in the right direction, stabilizing the market. So a lot of transactions we find with auctions, the share of sales type of the places, we're still buying quite a bit on the online auctions, obviously the MLS, and still in today's market when there's multiple bids going on. There's not as much competition for buy and hold type of properties. Most people are in the rat race of trying to do a flip, which God bless them, but that's just not a strategy that we do some of those still. If there's a wide margin and it doesn't fit our rental criteria, we'll still do a flip. But that's basically just additional income. That's not our main focus. And the last place, which is probably the most ignored one, which is probates, pre-foreclosures, some sort of distress, which is a lot of villages have issued fines out of town homeowners. So we have started doing a lot of direct marketing directly to sellers to find properties that way. And so for us, we're looking to buy about 80 to 100 transactions a year. And we have another group of people in Chicago that buys another 200 kind of a onesies or twosies. And we're able to find about 200 deals, no problem. I mean, our market is so large that still that exists as long as you know what your backend numbers are. But the key is to know the numbers, to know the neighborhoods like the back of your hand. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Are you a real estate investor and you're trying to do it all yourself? Then you got to stop the insanity, my friend, and go hire virtually. Virtual Office VA is a U.S.-based and trained real estate virtual assistant company. They can free up your time. You can go to their website, learn what they're all about, and go sign up for a virtual assistant. Go to virtualofficeva.com. That's virtualofficeva.com. Best ever book you've read? Rich Dad Poor Dad. Best ever deal you've done? Bought it for twelve, and we keep it, and it's worth about hundred fifty thousand bucks. Where'd you get the lead? Actually, I got it just driving for dollars. You're driving around, and you see a distressed property, and then you look up the owner, and you call the owner, or how did it work? I was driving around, saw a really, really bad driveway. Windows were kind of all fogged up, and just looked like a house that clearly was distressed. And so, called the owner, and he said, "Well, it's going to auction." And I want nothing to do with the property. We approached the owner and he quit claimed it over, paid him 2000 paid off the $10,000 mortgage. And that was the end of the story. And what would be the incentive for him to sell it for just $2,000 out of pocket? He had already moved out of town. And basically the village had put 
a whole bunch of liens on the property. And so they would not negotiate with him. So when we went to them, they're like, as long as you can give us an affidavit and a $10,000 deposit, the property would be brought up to code as per our sort of requirements. We will renegotiate all the liens, all the things that they had put on it. It was only a $900 ticket. And in Chicago, in some places, per day, they charge you $7,000 per day for violations because they don't want boarded up properties. So we negotiated with the village and he just thought that it was an impossible thing to save. He should have hired an attorney and reworked the whole thing, but he just didn't know what he didn't know. And he was out of town. Best ever way you like to give back? I think the best ever way I like to give back is share what we know, because the more that I share, the more openly information is shared the more we get to grow, a lot of times people have this belief, why would you share so openly? And I've always laughed that every time I share, I get back so many more folds because people give back in ways they don't even know. And the best way of learning is to teach others to do it. What's the biggest mistake you've made on a deal? Getting greedy and not trusting your gut instinct when it says no, doesn't matter how good it sounds, pass. <laughs> And lastly, what's the best place the best ever listeners can get in touch with you? They can reach us at info at chicagocashflow.org. Again, that's info at chicagocashflow.com. Sorry, not .org. That's info at chicagocashflow.com. And best ever listeners, the .com URL is in the show notes page. You can just click through and go check out the website and get in touch with Andrew and his team. Andrew, thanks for being on the show talking about how you and your company are buying 200 properties a year in Chicago. The long-term approach, not transactional, the long-term buy-and-hold approach of finding a property that is distressed or undervalued, increasing the value by forcing appreciation through renovations or talking to the city, getting the liens dismissed or paying a nominal fee to get certain things taken care of and then going to a portfolio lender putting that loan under the portfolio and then recycling that money into the next deal and then paying that off over the term with the cash out proceeds from these new deals and one question i have so to pay off the deal on the five-year balloon are you simply paying that off from money from a previous deal? Is that how you do it? No. So the deal is that you accumulate five. So on an average, if you accumulate five with the numbers that we do, you're going to have about $3,000 cash flow a month. So you start attacking the mortgage number one. Let's say it takes you a year to accumulate five properties. You wait for about three months, build a reserve. And then after the fourth month, you take the cash flow income from all five properties attack property number one that's going to take about two two and a half years with our numbers to pay off the second property is going to take about 19 months the third property is going to take about 13 months and kind of so on so forth mm. so depending on how quick you pick them and that's the reason why the five number is critical because if you do a proper rehab appropriate for the next five to seven years put tenants on a two to three year lease minimum it won't work if you sign one year leases because you want stability for the long term. You don't want tenant turnover at all. It's okay to get a little bit less rent. But what you're really looking for is a high quality tenant so that you don't have any downtime as much as possible. 
and then you're using property cash flow from five properties to pay off number one, then it builds, then you pay number two, number three, so on and so forth. That makes sense. Thank you so much for being on the show, Andrew. Hope you have a best ever day. We'll talk to you soon. So love your podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. Are you a real estate investor and you're trying to do it all yourself? Then you got to stop the insanity, my friend, and go hire virtually. Virtual Office VA is a U.S.-based and trained real estate virtual assistant company. They can free up your time. You can go to their website, learn what they're all about, and go sign up for a virtual assistant. Go to virtualofficeva.com. That's virtualofficeva.com.